changed the law in my state years ago, uh, about five years ago, where uh, you can't counsel anybody unless you have, are a licensed counselor. Well, I have two degrees, none of them are in counseling. So um, if somebody calls and says, hey, Joe, will you counsel us marriage? I said, well, I can see you for 30 minutes. The state law only allows me to talk to you for 30 minutes. I'll give you the first 15. I have the second 15. So come on in. Now, these are all people I knew that went to our local church. So when they first come in, you know, I know them. They know me. We go to the same church. And so they're trying to be nice. I said, well, what's the problem? Well, we're having some marital conflict. We really don't get along very well. He said this. She said this. He did this. She did this. So it takes about 10 minutes to get them really mad at one another. So about 15 minutes into the conversation, they're yelling. You no good, north end of a southbound biscuit eating, no good, whatever. And so I got a big clock on my said, okay, time, time. Uh, I'm giving you 15 minutes, you're up, I have the next 15. And I say the same thing every time, every time. I said, you and I do not have a time machine. We cannot change anything that happened a half a second ago past. The only thing you can do about your past is either repent or forgive you can't do a thing about it. Because the devil is the accuser of the brethren. He wants us to feel guilty about what we've done, not done, said, not said. And he will hold us in limbo because of our past. So as a believer, you've got to learn how to repent quick and forgive quick. And my past has nothing to do with me. Because it's buried under the blood of Jesus. It doesn't exist. There's no record of it in heaven. And so don't ever take... Your child will let your child take you into your past. Well, if you only been a better father. Well, I wasn't. I didn't know any better. If you only been a better mother. Well, I wasn't. I didn't know any better. I did the best I could, the best what I knew, and we're going on from here. So I think we have a great future. If you'd like to go with that, we've got somewhere to go. But if you want to keep digging, digging up the past, I'm not going to walk through a graveyard the rest of my life digging up dead stuff. And so you got to learn to settle, play the axe, Whatever relationship you have with your kids, young, old, married, out of the house, the past doesn't exist. There's no record of it in heaven. It's under the blood. The only thing exists is your future. I tell people two things last forever. The words of this book and humans. Everything else is going to disappear one day. Everything you now think is important will disappear. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. And so whatever you think is important is going to burn up. <laughs> It'll be a whole new deal. So that kind of helps you rearrange your priorities as to what's important and what's not important. So when I'm dealing with people about their kids, first thing I'm going to do is let, first let's stop the negative yap. You always, you never, you should have, you could. Don't take your child into the past. That's cheating. You're cheating. You always, you've always done this. Don't ever say that. That's cheating. Take your child in the future. You know, I think we can do this better. I think we found a better way of doing this. I think we get a way out of this thing because kids do dumb stuff all the time. They're human. You and I do dumb stuff all the time. We're human. The Bible says the righteous fall seven times a day, but they get back up. We're not the perfect people. We're the getting back up people. So as a parent, you got to realize, hey, I got a great future. My greatest days in front of me, not behind me. I remember I'd sit on the front porch of my grandmother's house back in Ducktown, Tennessee, back in the 1950s. And I'd hear all the saints rocking out there on that porch Sunday afternoon. And they'd talk about the good old days. I remember back in the good old days, back in the 40s. 
or about the good old days. Back. Well, I taught history for 10 years after I got my degree. There are no good old days. <laughs> they all stink. The 50s was horrible. The 40s was just goofy and a $3 bill. Uh, the 60s, we turned into hippies, went barefoot. The 70s, we thought we were smarter than everybody else. The 80s, we got lost as a goose in a snowstorm. It's, it's never been better. Our greatest days are in front of us, not behind us. So as a parent, the first thing you have to learn to do is don't go digging around into the past of you, your children, your grandchildren. Stay out of the past. You have no authority there. You have no weapon there. Stick with the future. God's mercy is new every morning. His grace is new every day. Your greatest days are in front of you, not behind you. So, with that said, we can just end right now. I mean, if you've learned that, you've learned everything you need to know. But what we're going to do is take just a little bit. Luke 2.52, we close with this morning. It says that Jesus grew. Jesus grew. Well, if Jesus grew, I need to grow. My kids need to grow. Everybody needs to grow. Jesus grew in wisdom. Well, the Bible says wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get yourself some, James says. Get yourself some wisdom. It's the principal thing. Uh, if you lack wisdom, James says, ask God. He'll give liberally and upbraideth not. So there's no excuse for not being wise. Well, I'm just dumb. I keep doing the same dumb thing. I used to have a fifth grade kid come to me all the time. I said, what's wrong with you, kid? I don't know, Mr. I just keep messing up. I guess I'm just dumb. No, you're not. You're not dumb. You're a doofus, but you're not dumb. Because the first time they came to see me in my office, because uh, teachers sent them down for me to bust them, because it was legal in my state. I could switch, swap, paddle, and spank so long as I didn't leave a bruise. It's legal in my state. And so I have two paddles hanging up in my office <laughs> at the school. One's small, one's large. Based on your stature, that's the one I'm going to use. Because if you get sent to my office, I'm going to lift you off the ground. So, the first time they came down, the teacher said, go to the office, go see the principal. But they're usually crying or upset or mad when they got there. I said, well, have a seat. So, what's the problem? Well, the teacher said this, blah, blah, blah. I said, you hungry? They said, what? Are you hungry? Did you have breakfast? Because most of the time kids don't have breakfast. They don't eat breakfast anymore. I will come on back here and I'll take them back to the kitchen. Now, I love chocolate donuts. I love chocolate donuts. And I made sure we had a bunch of chocolate donuts in the kitchen. And so I'll tell you, I'll get you two chocolate donuts and get you a Pepsi out of the refrigerator and come back in my office. So I come back and they'd sit down and say, eat your donuts and drink your Pepsi. And so they're just chewing away and kind of half crying looking at me. I said, you see that picture on the wall up there? Well, it was me when I was in the first grade, Miss Morgan, my first grade teacher. We hadn't invented kindergarten yet. It didn't exist. So I'm in the first grade, Miss Morgan, and uh, I think there was 31 or 32 of us. All the girls wore dresses. All the boys had bird haircuts. We had no home hair to comb. We got bird all the time. And so this is our school picture. Mr. Stevens, the school principal on one side, Mr. Morgan, our teacher on the other. We're all in the middle. I kept a $5 bill taped to that picture. I said, if you can pick me out of that picture, I'll give you that $5 bill. So the first time kids came to my office, you get two chocolate donuts, you get an ice cold Pepsi, you get the guests for the $5 bill. And we were in a Christian school, and he said, well, you're, you're gambling. No, nobody's ever going to win that $5 bill. They're not going to be able to pick me out. Yeah, I can't even hardly pick me out. And so, so they'd eat their donuts. I said, well, calm down. and said, listen, I'm going to assume you just didn't hear your teacher correctly. I'm going to assume you just didn't hear correctly. So I'm going to restate what your teacher told you in class. You can't do this in class. 
So now in the mouth of two or three witnesses, the thing is established. I've now made it clear what you can and cannot do in class. Because the second time you come to my office, there'll be no chocolate donuts. There'll be no Pepsi. There'll be no guessing the $5 bill. The second time you come to my office, I'm going to lift you off the ground. Boom. And I did that. And so I had one kid who came five times in here. Five times in one year. He's crying again. And so somewhat part of this you not understand. I don't know. I just keep messing up. Well, we're going to help you remember. Since you're not using one end of your body, I'm going to work on the other end. <laughs> and we're going to help you remember. And eventually he got it. He graduated from high school and he's doing great. He's doing great today. And so when you're a parent, you have to focus on the future, not the past. And you got to control your mouth. You got to control your mouth. Because I've had parents, spirit-filled parents, go to our church. I'm dealing with a mom right now, just educated, great, great, her and her husband very successful. Got one kid, they sent him to college, you know, and got on a scholarship. He stayed there two days, he got mad. I'm coming home. I don't like school. So he's living in his bedroom at home. And I said, well, what are you doing? Well, I'm just going to let him stay there. He doesn't want to go to school. Well, how old is he? Well, he's 19. No, see, he's an adult. You know, by laws in our country, he's an adult. And so adults take care of themselves. But evidently, you're not going to treat him as an adult. You're still treating him as a baby. You're going to feed him and cook dinner for him and wash his sheets and clothes and press his clothes off and ask if he needs anything. No, you need to boot him out of the house. Kick him out. He's, he's a 19-year-old thumb-sucking baby. Kick him out of the house. Now, people think I'm being so mean. I had a nephew, my uncle, I love my uncle. He mean as not, but he was a good dad. He, he was good. Eventually, he was good. And, and so, uh, he just one kid, and he'd had him in rehab and drug rehab and stealing stuff and messed up. And so, he's got him in a halfway house. In my former state, and I said, where's he at? Well, we got him in the halfway house. What's that? Well, when you can't work and you don't have anything, they got places you can stay, and he sleeps on a cot with a room with a lot of other men that sleep on cots. you got to be kidding. I said, he said, no. I said, well, that's great. He said, what? Leave him there. Leave him in that place where you got, you know, 50 old codgers that smell and don't bathe, don't brush their teeth, Sleeping on a cot, and he can smell all the breath that he can smell that night, and all the body gas is coming out. And, and he'll, he'll get a thought one night. He'll think, I think I can do better than this. Yes, you can. But that's up to you. That's going to be up to you. And so sometimes people thought I was so mean as a father. I was a great father. I was a great father. I was. I taught on it. People said, did you give swat? I said, yes, I did. Uh, in 80 years of parenting, I gave five spankings in 80 years of parenting. Now, when I gave swats, it was legal in my state. Again, I can switch swat, paddle, and spank. I never counted to 10. I never counted to three. I told my kids from the day they came out of their mother's room, I, I don't count. I'll be like a stealth bomber coming down the hallway. You won't know I'm there until you come off the ground. Boom, I'm here. <laughs> and I did that. And, uh, and I've had kids throw a fit. I remember we were at a grocery shop one time, and one kid threw a fit 
He didn't get the ice cream he wanted, and we're a two-cart shopper because there's, there's eight of us. And so kid throws a fit, and I told my wife, I'm going to the house, I'll be back. And I grabbed my kid up, kicking and screaming. I walked out the door, left the ice cream melting in my, in my cart, and I drove home. And the kid knew we're going to the house. Oh, Dad, I'm, I'm better, I'm better. No, not yet, you're not, no. You're going to be, though. You're going to be so good. And I had to drag him out of the Suburban, drag him up the front steps, drag him to the back room. I had to lay them between my legs, cross my legs over to hold them still, take my right arm, bend their back over, so the area I'm wanting to hit is right here. And I grabbed that paddle back, and I came down, and I made contact. Now, God made one part of the human body to be hit. It's the padded part. Because every nerve ending is right in the top layer of that skin. If you make contact with that skin. <laughs> now, I've had kids that were mean. I didn't feel nothing. Well, not unless you're from another planet. You did feel that. You can talk big all you want because I'm about to bust you again. <laughs> and I'd usually give two swats. Three one time. Because I had one that was stubborn. And uh, I said, listen. After I'd swapped them, and they'd be crying, I said, okay, come sit in my lap. Do you know what you did wrong? Yeah, 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 yeah. What'd you do? I rebelled. Yes, you did. Well, what do you need to do? I need to repent. Yes, you do. You need to pray. Okay, I'll pray. Well, you pray. I'll agree with you. Father, forgive me. Jesus' name, everybody. Jesus' name, amen. Okay, give me a big hug. Let's go to the kitchen. We'll get some chocolate chip cookies, some milk, and we'll go back to the store and get the ice cream that's melted, which we did. And so, when there's no standard... Humans run wild. The reason we have police and military and protection is because humans will run wild. They'll do whatever they can get away with. We just had a hurricane hitting South Florida. You know what happened? People came miles around to loot and rob and pillage. People that have lost businesses, lost homes, heathens showed up to steal from them. We have a great governor. <laughs> what did he say? Shoot them. I'm not trying to be funny. It's just what you're going to come steal, we'll shoot you. You know, you're not welcome here. We'll shoot you, go stealing. And they did. And the people left. That's real deep, isn't it? And it gets quiet when you get to telling the truth. Because we've become a society that's trying to keep everybody happy. My job's not to make you happy. That's your own job. I remember when schools would progress, because every year we gave awards. Top, you know, athlete, top musician. And so I was with the Oral Roberts University Educational Fellowship, and I served on the board with it for almost 20 years. And so we accredited schools all around the world. And so uh, my school, uh, there's seven organizations the federal government recognizes that accredit schools. The federal government does not accredit any school. They recognize organizations that accredit public schools. And so the one organization we're with, Oral Roberts University Educational Fellowship, we're accredited with them. Well, long story short, my school became the number one academic school in the United States in that organization. And so when we achieved that after three years, I put it on a big brochure. And we went to all the daycare centers in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We left copies in every daycare center because that's where the kindergartens are because we're looking to get them in our school. So nice, big, beautiful, professional brochure. There's no Dove. There's no Holy Ghost. It's, it's an educational brochure. And so we had on Grace Fellowship Christian School, the number one academic school in the United States. 
Well, I had a, a competitive school, great guy, wonderful man, call me up because the brochures have hit and they've got parents that have kids in these daycares. Hey, Joe, Joe, a parent just brought in one of your brochures for your Christian school. Yes. Well, it says you're the number one academic school in the United States. Yes, we are. You're part of the organization we're part of. You saw us win at the university competition last summer. We are the number one academic school. Well, well there's a lot of organizations, yeah, but the one I'm part of, the one I'm a part of, we're number one. I didn't lie. We are the number one academic school in my organization, in the United States. Matter of fact, in the world. And he got real quiet. He said, well, yeah, but, well, are we not number one? Did you were there? Did we not win the overall trophy? Well, yeah, but because we were a small school. We were a class B. We're not even class A. We're class B. Uh, 28 seniors. We have less than 75 high school kids, but we're the number one academic school in the United States because I wanted to win that thing. And so we had kids that would, uh, yeah, 28 areas competing in, in academics. Uh, science fair, math quiz. So we prepared. So our students, I said, who wants to compete in the math quiz? Who wants to compete in spelling bee? So we got our kids, we had nine months to get our kids ready to, to compete in that national competition. What do you want to do? I want to win that competition. I want to become the number one academic school in the United States. I had a goal. And so our kids, we motivated our kids, because most kids in school only wore letter jackets if you're on the football team, baseball team, soccer team, basketball team, or cheerleader, or, or the band. So everybody else is a doofus. I said, well, that's not true. Because I remember when I got out of high school, I got out of the Army, went to get my first job, and they sent me down this hall to interview with a personnel manager for this company. I walked through the door, and I'm trying, I think I got the job. I think I'm qualified. So I walk, and there's this, this, this man sitting behind the desk is one of the students from my former Christian school, my Christian school, public school. But, but he was a thick glass Thick glasses, I mean like Coke bottle bottles. Had pencil holders in his pockets, you know, a real geek of a student. I remember we made fun of him. Well, now he's the personnel director of this company I'm trying to get a job at. I walked in, I thought, oh, this is not good. <laughs> I said, I said, please, God, please don't let him remember me. Please don't let him remember me. So we shook hands. He said, I'm Joe McGee, nice to meet you. Oh, yes, Joe, I remember you. I thought, help me, Jesus. But I did get the job because he was very nice, and he was a Christian man. And I realized something. When I became a school administrator, I said, we're going to change all this. We're going to make it so you can letter. If we teach it, you can letter in it. So every kid in my high school wore a letter jacket. Every kid. Uh, you in the band, you get a letter jacket. You play basketball, you get a letter jacket. Cross country, you get a letter jacket. You get a letter jacket in algebra. A letter jacket in chemistry, a letter jacket in trigonometry. And we had to create little things for them because they don't make emblems for trigonometry. So I had to get a little brain thing on the, your letter. And so people said, man, how many athletes do you have over there? I said, well, not very many. Not very many, but we have a lot of students. And they all wear a letter jacket because they're all important. So in the lobby of our school, when you come in, we had plaques all over the wall. We had a really nice logo for our school emblem and big lines and swords and stuff and uh, and so some artists did this magnificent thing well the walls are covered what's that well that's the top science student and that's the top algebra student and that's the top chemistry student and it's lined top english top foreign language top french student and so we had a top student of the year and everything because everybody's got an opportunity to win something 
Not everybody did win something. I had some students that won four things. Now, what's that student doing? Well, he's, as we say, kicking tail and taking names. Well, the rest of well, every day they're not doing nothing. They don't want to go anywhere. I know I've told this story so many times. My seniors one year, my seniors, it's, an, it's, a, it's a class on money. Now, these are all strong, spirit-filled Christian kids. I said, I'm going to give all of you a dollar on Monday. I'll get, get a dollar. You have until Friday to do something with this dollar. And now, I don't care what you do with it. You can go over here at lunchtime, buy a Twinkie and a Dr. Pepper. I don't care. But you've got to bring the receipt. But the goal is do something with this dollar and see if you can grow this dollar to something bigger by Friday. Well, they all did. Some kids did buy a Twinkie and a Dr. Pepper and trying to show off with their girlfriends. So this one kid came back on Friday, and I said, okay, you ever come up one at a time? Tell me what you did. Bring your money. So this one kid came up with 117 $1 bills. And he lays them down. Chum, 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 chum. And of course, oh, he's lying. Shut up. This is his turn. He'll tell the story. He just lays them one at a time. Well, turn around and tell us how you got that. So, well, on Monday I took the dollar he gave us, and I went to the store and bought some nickel candy. I came back to school on Tuesday, sold it for a quarter. Went back to the store and bought some quarter candy. I came back to school and sold it for a dollar. <laughs> took that, and I bought an autographed football from the guy that played uh, fullback for us, the University of Tulsa, great running back, uh, small All-American guy, and got an autographed football, and he sold that. And then on the way to school, on Friday morning, he bought a 10-speed bicycle. And he sold it right as he got to school for $117. And so he's like, what would you do? Sold that bicycle this morning for $117. So I put my arm around him. I said, now guys, when you come back to school five years now for the five-year high school reunion, look him up. Because he won't be driving a car with the hood wired down. He won't be sleeping in his mother's spare bedroom. This kid's going somewhere. God's given the equal opportunity to everybody to do something and go somewhere. We've created a society where we're trying to pamper people who aren't doing anything. Nobody goes where that's doing nothing. Oh, that's so deep. Like, whoa, that's just hard. Well, I love my kids. I want all my kids to be successful. They're all gifted different. They're talented different. But you're going to be successful. You're just going to go in a different area in a different way and with, with different things. So you've got to learn how to be successful, whatever you do. Whatever you're good at, get real good at it. Get real good at something. You're not going to be good at everything. Nobody's good at everything, but everybody's good at one thing. Even the Apostle Paul said, this one thing I do, I preach the gospel. Well, he did it better than anybody. Wrote two-thirds New Testament. What are you going to do? I'm going to do one thing well. So I had my kids every year. I'd give them a test. Uh, we did family Christmas together, and uh, even when they became adults, I would give my kids, I had them for four hours. We had a Christmas vacation every year for eight to ten days. I paid for everything. It's the one thing I paid for every year. We're going to all come together for Christmas. We're going to rent a cabin in Gatlinburg or down in South Texas. And we're all going to come together to hang out as a family. I get you for four hours one day. I get you for four hours. And so I'm going to give you three written tests. And I'm going to get the results of the test. And then one of the tests, uh, at the end of the book, you write down your top 12 vocations. Somebody with your gifts, likes and dislikes, or probably do well in one of these 12 vocations. Now the book has hundreds of vocations. I call it Discover Your God Given Gifts by Donnie Katie Fortune, Chosen Books, the publisher. Great book, still in print. So we're going to narrow it down to 12. So every year we're going to narrow it down to 12. And it, I realized they print, almost always stayed the same. Because whatever your child likes to do, they're always going to like to do. Whatever your kid's good at, they're probably always going to be good at. 
We're trying to narrow it down. What are you going to be good at? Get real good at it, and somebody will write you a check for it. Quit trying to be mediocre at everything. People won't pay for mediocrity, but they pay for excellence. So what is it you want to do? So probably for years, I give the test and come back, and I say, okay, so this is what you're good at. So what are you going to do this next year? Well, I'm going to get real good at it. Well, good. So next year, we're going to come back Christmas time. We're going to give the same test again, and then we're going to find out what you did. Well, some of my own kids. Well, what did you do the last year? Well, I forgot about it. What? Yeah, I forgot about the test. I didn't know we are going to do the test again. I told you we are going to do it again. We're here again. So what you did the last year? Nothing. Well, you got nothing to show for it. So if some of your siblings did something. They're going somewhere. You're getting left behind at the train station. What are you going to do? And I would put pressure on them. And I realized something, because eventually you're going to grow up and leave home. And I don't want you to hate your parents. You should have told me something. You should have taught me something. I did. Eventually you're going to leave home and get your own place. Get your own car. Hopefully the hood won't be wired down with wire, you know. Hopefully you're going to live in a nice place. But it takes money to do that. <laughs> well, that was a heathen statement. Money? Yeah, money. You've got to learn how to handle money. Money. So I had all my kids tithe. I gave all my kids, uh, some of the kids they gave 50 cents a week, some of them gave $5 a week. And I say, you pay your tithe on Sunday. So what, what's that? Well, it's 10%. 10% of what? Well, whatever I gave you. <laughs> if I gave you a dollar, you owe the church a dime. So I taught them from childhood. She put your tithe in. I forgot it. Well, I guess you're on your own for the next week. I remember we go to the grocery store. My grocery store in Oklahoma, country, it's a country grocery store. First place you pass you go in is the bakery. They set you up. Man, those fresh donuts are in that thing. You come right in. We get here to buy groceries for two weeks. But you come out of the donut section. I remember one of my girls said, hey, Dad, can I have a donut? I said, you got any money? No, no donut. So came in two weeks later. Hey, Dad, can I have a donut? You got your money? No, no donut. And so I said, you better remember to bring your money. So we came in the third two weeks. Dad, can I have a donut? You got your money? Go ahead and get one. So I left her at the donut section. I'm about two or three aisles down. We're a two-cart shopper talking. And all of a sudden she showed up. I said, where's your donut? They're too expensive. And she didn't buy one. I said, I'm producing an adult. Because until you become an adult, money won't mean anything to you. It means nothing to you. Because you're not responsible. We're trying to produce responsible children. It's not a mean thing. It's not a bad thing. It's a God thing. I'm trying to produce an adult. God gave you to me. You left the womb, and I'm going to train you up and give you back to God. I'm trying to give God back an adult. Not some thumb sucker whiny, not right. Coach wouldn't pay me, teacher wouldn't pass me. Nobody likes me at school. I don't have any friends. Well, that's your fault if you don't have any friends. Maybe you've got bad breath. <laughs> maybe you need to chew on a mint and brush your teeth twice in the morning. Maybe you need, maybe you need to learn how to carry on a conversation besides I, me, me, I, and I. Ask other people questions about them. So I, I developed a little course for my kids to learn how to start a conversation, how to carry on a conversation, how to end a conversation. Because some people yap forever, you got to learn how to cut it off. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's a, I got a whole course on that. And so this is short, but it's real good. Now, I collected so many papers. Um, this is old. This is, this, is, this is 41 years old. This is rewards for kids. 
negative rewards. Proverbs 10.1, children will bring you sorrow. Yes, they will. Proverbs 15.20, children bring hatred into your family. Yes, they will. Proverbs 17.25, children will bring grief into your family. Yes, they will. Proverbs 17.25, children will bring bitterness into your family. Yes, they will. Proverbs 29.18, children bring shame to your family. Yes, they will. Well, I don't want that list. I got to go on the other list. Well, there's a better list. This is positive rewards. Proverbs 29 17, your children will be a delight to your soul. Whoa, I like, make, I like my kids making me happy. I want you to make me happy. I want to be a happy daddy. Whoa. Proverbs 29 17, children bring you happiness and they'll bring you peace of mind. What do your kids bring you? Peace of mind? Dear God, no, I'm worried about them all the time. I don't know where they are, what they're doing, what they're thinking. My God, I don't know. I don't know. We never should have had any children. We just never should have had them. Well, bless your thumb-sucking heart. <laughs> Proverbs 23, 24. Children will bring rejoicing, joy, and gladness. Whoa. Then Proverbs 31, 28. Children will bring grateful. You'll have grateful, affectionate, thankful children. Well, I want that. I want grateful, thankful, happy kids. Well, they have to learn that they're not perfect. You're going to make mistakes. The rocks are going to fall seven times a day, scoop dirt in their lower lip, but you're going to get back up. I need, to, I need to learn how to get back up when you fall down. You might not have made first chair flute. You might not have made the ball team. You might not have made A's, straight A's. But you know how to get back up. Now, I collected biographies when I was a school administrator. 1,206 biographies of 1,206 Americans who were either millionaires or billionaires. None had ever finished school. Most had never finished elementary school. Thomas Edison was kicked out of school in the fourth grade. His teacher told him he was too stupid to learn anything and kicked him out of school in the fourth grade. He got a job as an errand boy running messages from the guy in the caboose to the engineer back and forth at night on the train, an all-night run. Well, one night the guy in the caboose got mad at him, hit him up the side of the head with a two-by-four. As a 12-year-old boy, Edison went pretty much stone deaf. So a deaf... Fourth grade dropout has over a thousand patents to his name, one of which are sitting under here tonight. What did he do? He got real busy. They came to him one time, he was trying to bit the light bulb, and they interviewed him and said, How long have you been working that light bulb? A long time. Well, how many times have you tried to make it work? He said, Well, I'm just over a thousand. Well, don't you feel bad taking all that money from all those investors, not being successful? Oh, no, I'm making great progress. I found a thousand ways a light bulb will not work. I'm telling the truth. It's not a funny story. It's a true story. He said, I have found a thousand ways a light bulb will not work. Well, he finally made it. We've got to train up kids who will fall down but get back up and hit it again. Charismatic kids are the world's worst. Well, I tried it one time and it wasn't God because it didn't work. Well, how about trying it again? How about hitting it a third time and a fourth time and a fifth time? But charismatic, we don't think, well, if it was God, it would have worked. No, sometimes it didn't work the first time. You got to go around the wall again. Shout again. Do it again. Get back up and hit it again. If it's not God, he'll tell you. God, did God tell you to stop? No, but it's not working. Well, it'll work eventually. Hit it again. And so all my kids, angels, listen, angels, we, we got the same story with our kids. Our parents didn't go to college. My family is ignorant as dirt. My dad went through the 12th grade twice, still didn't graduate. 
My father-in-law went to the eighth grade and they kicked him out. But I thought, well, we're going to change that. So I made all my kids go to college. I said, everyone is going to go to college and get a degree. What in? I don't care. I don't care if you major in water, bowling, and basketball. Even. I really don't care. But you're going to get a degree because most degrees are worthless. That's a fact. Now, the tech degrees are critical. Your doctor, you know, your surgeon needs to have a degree. <laughs> It'd be good if your accountant has a degree too, you know. And so, so there's certain things that are really important. But most things, they just want to know if you went to school or not. Because I've done so many job interviews. So you go to school? Yeah, did you get a degree? Mm-hmm. They don't want to ask you what it's in. They don't even care what it's in. Did, they want to know, did you go to college for four years, spend a lot of money to learn something that's worthless? Yes, I did. We can hire you. Because you're evidently willing to do something until you get it done. Oh, that was so deep. Now, I'm going to read this. This is, I'm stretching on this one. Numbers chapter 6, verse 22. Numbers 6, 22. The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons to bless the people with this special blessing. Now, I had two Catholic kids in my high school that signed my yearbook every year the same way. Here's what they sign. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you peace. I thought it must be a Catholic thing. Well, I finally got to theology school and I realized it's not a Catholic thing. It's a God thing. It's in Numbers chapter 6 verse 22. And it says, Whenever Aaron and his sons bless the people of Israel in my name, I myself will bless them. What? God said, when Aaron and his sons bless the people in my name, I will bless them. When are you going to bless us, God, when somebody says it? When are you going to bless my family, God, when you say it? When are you going to bless my kids when you say it? When are you going to bless my marriage whenever you say it? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the weak say I'm strong. Let the poor say call those things to be not as though they are. Somebody's got to start saying what God says, not what they're looking at. Man, you're an idiot. You're dumb with the dirt. You're not going to mount a hill of beans. Nah, that won't work good. Your kids need to remember that you're, as a parent, you always spoke positive. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to tell you, that was a dumb thing. <laughs> How's that working out for you? Not too good? Probably not. That was a dumb thing to do. But I think we can do it better. But if you're always going to the negative, I'm dealing with a parent right now. Their kid's living at home. He should be in college. Should be. He's still at why? Because mom has pampered him his whole life. He's, she's, she's educated. But she, well, you know, he just didn't feel good about himself. He just doesn't like him. Well, who cares how he feels about himself? Tell him to grow up. Amen. You think you're going to have some, there's some organization, the federal government's going to supply. These are positive people that are going to encourage you the rest of your life. And we're, our tax dollars are going to pay for them. And this is your personal assignee. He's going to be with you until you die and go to heaven. And he's going to encourage you every day. You're good. You're smart. You got it made. You're going to be the head, not the tail, above, not the No, no. If that's God saying it, it's not going to work. Oh, that was deep. So here it is. Short sermon. Luke 2.52. Hmm. Hmm. Growing in wisdom. Proverbs 29.18. Wisdom is the principal thing. Wisdom is having a vision for your life. Where there's no vision, the people perish. What's somebody with a vision? Somebody that has a plan for their life. 
I wanted all my kids to leave home with a plan for their life. So I gave that test every Christmas. What do you plan for your life? Because if you don't have a plan, it's not going to happen. Well, some people get lucky. There's no such thing as luck. There's not good luck. There's not bad luck. There's heaven and hell. You're in between like an Oreo cookie. You've got to choose. God set for you life, death, blessing, cursing. Choose. By the way, God gave you the answer. Choose life. He even told you the answer to the test. Choose life. You'd be like, God said, well, life and death, son, you need to choose. Well, God, can you give me a few days to think about that? I don't know. Death and life. Death and life. I'm not sure. Well, son, I'll give you the answer. Choose life. Really? Mm. Four kinds of kids. Proverbs 1, 20. Why simple food is scornful. Four kinds of kids. I shared this a little bit this morning. There's four kinds of kids. Good things happen to wise children. They live a long time. They have favor of the king. They can scale the wall of a city and take a captive. Uh, they have just their wealth is going to fill their house up. Great things happen to wise kids. Nothing bad. There are no bad scriptures in any of the Bible about anything bad happening to a wise person. But simple, foolish, and scornful, nothing good happens to those three. It's all bad stuff. So I've got a book that I've sold out of it uh, called The Four Kinds of Kids. And I, it's just all on these four kinds of kids. It's all the scriptures out of Proverbs and Psalms on these four kinds of kids. Uh, the simple-minded, they can't, keep, they can't just seem to make a good decision. Why? They have no wisdom. You stay simple-minded too long, you become a fool. It's sport for a fool to make mischief. They make a game out of getting in trouble. They like to still stop signs and you know, break the law speeding down the highway. They're pushing the envelope because they don't know who they are. They're trying to show off because they don't know who they are in here. They're showing off of their flesh. Peel their tires, wear the hat backwards, wipe the britches of a 400-pound man, drape down around their underwear. It's like, we try, I need somebody to look at me and tell me I'm good. You're already good. You don't get your britches up. You're good. <laughs> now, I'm, listen, I did it. We all dressed like Elvis when I was in school. You know, back in the 50s. You know, wear that bare grease on her hair. <laughs> That's gooey stuff. Get on your pillow, you'd have to throw that pillow away. <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> the Bible says we're accepted in the beloved. God loves us just like we are. So once you leave home, if you're a child you leave home, you know, God loves me warts and all. I'm accepted in the beloved. I can run boldly to the throne of grace to get mercy up in time of need. If your child knows that, it doesn't matter the IQ, the GPA, they're going to succeed in life. They're going to be very successful. Why? Because they like them. You know the great commandment. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And the second great commandment is love your neighbors, you love yourself. Love your neighbors, you love yourself. What if you don't love you? Your neighbor's in trouble. <laughs> you got to start by loving who you are. Give us. I'm, I'm loved. I can bowl right up under God's armpit. Because God loves me just like I am, warts and all. And so, if you get that in you, you're going to succeed. I don't care where you go. I don't care how many times they lay you off. I don't care if they shut your plant down. I don't care what they do. You're going to come back to the top. And we're living in an age of history where nothing's stable anymore. It's crumbling and crushing and crashing you know, in the Soviet Union and overseas and on the American. And what's, what's going on? Well, hell's in charge. The devil's in charge of the planet. He got it when Adam and Eve sinned. He steals, kills, destroys. Nothing good's going on. Hell is everywhere. But, but we've been born again. We were taken out of the kingdom of darkness, placed the kingdom of God as their son. We're behind enemy lines. We're special forces. We have the 
breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith, help of salvation, sword of the spirit. We're on the offensive. We don't play defense. The church never plays defense. God's got our rear guard covered. There are so many angels, you cannot count them. They are our rear guard. We don't play defense. We only play offense. You got to get that in you. I don't play defense. That's not my job. That's some angel's job. My job is to play offense. What are you going to do? Take the kingdom for God. I'm going to witness to people that need Jesus, feed people that are hungry, give water to people that are thirsty, visit people in prison, help orphans, help widows. I am what's happening. And I have a great full-time job, and I'll never be laid off. So, Jesus grew in wisdom. So, first thing is, Father, I give you permission. Teach my people to fear you, for the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. That's the first one. Number two, Jesus grew in stature. Um, well, Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go when he's only wanting to part from him. I need my children to be trained. What does that mean? I need you to learn how to think different. It won't happen in one day. I got to put it in you because your brain's going to leak out on your pillow every night. And I got to shove it back in the next day. Because I've told my kids, hey, they're going to read our Bible. I've read my Bible. What? I've read my Bible all the way through. Yes, I have. Well, quote Hephaniah chapter 4. I don't remember that one because it doesn't exist. It's not in the Bible, you doofus. <laughs> Meditate the word day and night. Joshua 1 8. Meditate in the word day and night, then you will prosper and have good success. When you meditate in the word day and night. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. You got to meditate in the word day and night, then you'll prosper and have good success. You got to get your face in the book. Gloria, I am what the book says I am. I can do what the book says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My name's written down in the last book of life. I have so many angels around me, you can't count them. I'm surrounded with the children of divine favor. People like me, they don't even know why they like me because I'm surrounded with divine favor. God did it for Daniel. God did it for Joseph. He's going to do it for me because there's no respect to persons. I am blessed and highly favored. You just got to get in these to demons. Just, what are you going to do? Well, I'm not going to fail. I've, been, I've gone to two plants. They, they shut two plants down I was working at. I remember I drove in the gate and God hands me a pink slip. You don't work anymore. Sure, do I work on the third floor? No, they sold this company to a company in Belgium. I said, I don't want to go to Belgium. So they're not taking you, they're taking the plant. So I realized I don't have a job. So I started to go home. I said, I can't tell my wife I don't have a job. That won't go well at all. So I got to find the employment office. I didn't even know there, I knew there was one, but I'd never been. So I finally found the employment office. I go in, lady brings me back because I dressed up. I'm you know, shaved, I'm clean shaven. You know, I don't have my hat on backwards and my shirt sleeves ripped off. And uh, I look like I'm a possibility. And so she brought me back and she got me a job at another lab. And so eventually that plant shut down. I got another job and went back to night school, became an engineer. And so now I'm working as an engineer. How'd you do that? I lost two jobs. Had to go back to night school for seven years. I spent seven years in night school doing what? Trying to get a degree my daddy would have paid for, but I, I got kicked out of school after one year. University of Tennessee wrote me a letter after one year at the University of Tennessee Chattanooga. They wrote me a letter to Mr. Gee, you're not allowed to come back here. For legal reasons I don't go into, but it was legal. <laughs> I'm never allowed to go back to the University of Tennessee, ever. <laughs> now, I pull for volunteers, I just can't go to school there. Because I was a doofus. But God opened up other doors. I found another school that would take me, and I studied. I, I was taking Algebra two at age 26 in a local high school. 
drove that teacher insane. Well, it's not as high, so I don't care about altitude, sine, cosine, tantrum, who cares? Well, eventually they're not going to promote me unless I get algebra 2. Then I'd take trigonometry. Sine, cosine, and tangerine. I don't even know what it means. I made an A at age 28 in trigonometry. I made an A now to 2. Why? Because I drove the teacher nuts. He wanted to make sure I got an A so I wouldn't come back. You're good, son. Go. Leave. <laughs> so eventually I became an engineer. And so and then I became a school administrator. Then I became a uh, National chairman, it's like, what'd you do? I kept moving up the food chain. Why? I don't want to stay here. God told David, you know, sent the prophet to his house, knocked on the door. Hey, I'm here to nut your son, the next king of Israel. Oh, Jesse said, which son? Well, how many you got? I got a house full. Well, dear Lord, get him out here. So he brings out the oldest to the youngest, seven boys, lines them up. So the prophet's standing there, he's thinking, well, I got to get this right. If I don't get this right, they get to stone me to death at sundown because they don't have any entertainment. There's no TV. They just get the stone false prophets. So he's looking and said, well, God talked to me. God's not saying a word. So well, I got to start moving. So he goes to the oldest boy. He's getting ready to pour the oil on his head and anoint him king. Right before he pours the oil, God said, that's not him. That was close, God. That was close. Probably the second born. Always more aggressive than the first born. Get ready to pour the oil over his head. God said, that's not him. He gets seven nose in a row. Sun's starting to go down. Thank God, it's getting tired. So he asked Jeff, hey, you got any more boys? Yeah, we got one more. We don't let him in the house. He smells like sheep. Well, go get him. So the Bible says they go get the ruddy, complected runt of the family named David. And he comes in and God tells the prophet, that's him, soak him. And the prophet says in New Living Translation, you got to be kidding. No, he's my next one. Pour the oil on his head. Pours the oil on his head and he said, you're our next king. God help us. Well, the brothers get jealous. They're mad at him. Nobody hugged his neck. They didn't bake him a cake. He goes back out to take care of the sheep. The next week, a lion tries to come attack the sheep and kill his daddy's sheep. So has to kill the lion. He's thinking, oh, man, I hope I don't do that again. God said, no, that'll be the last lion you have to kill. No more lions. A week later, bears come try to attack the sheep. He has to kill the bear. Man, I hope I don't have to do that again. No, that's the last bear. Then it's a big 10-foot, 2-inch giant, six fingers, six toes. David takes his head off. They didn't have trophy shops back then. He took the head home and set it on the dresser. You'll get that about midnight. Well, David becomes the, he becomes the head of the army, charge of praise and worship. King gets mad at him, tries to kill him. He's running for a life out in the desert. He finds 400 misfit, uh, unemployed men in this hole in the ground. But seven years later, David rode out of those caves without army, and he never lost a battle. How do you learn something? By learning what not to do. There are no perfect parents. They do not exist. But there's a lot of getting back up parents. So now I have three minutes to finish everything. Uh, number three, just great favor with God. First um, Peter chapter 4, verse 10 and 11. As everyone has received a gift, use that gift in serving one another as a good steward of the manifold grace of God. Every child's gifted. I don't care what they tell you at school, every child is gifted. Every child has a gift. You just don't know what it is yet, but every child has a gift. So school, we sort of mess things up. Well, you're not a straight-A student. Well, I know a lot of straight-A students still aren't employed today. I know a lot of kids that were C students at best that are multi-millionaires. It's, it's what you do with the gift, not what the gift is. It's what you choose to do with it. Oh, that was deep. Then I'll give the, I'll give the last one. Jesus grew in favor with man. This is a real good one. Um, 
Proverbs 13, 20. Mm. Walk with the wise and you'll become wise. Mm. Proverbs 27, 17. Desire strikes iron, so the countenance of a friend. If you have somebody that's your best friend, sparks are going to fly. Because the best friend is somebody who can tell you the truth and not worry about what you think about it. See, most people are guarded. Well, I can't tell them that. They'll get mad. Well, then they're not your friend. A friend is somebody who will tolerate you in your good days and bad. And especially when you go stupid, they're still there next to you. Why? You're my friend. And I got lots of stupid friends. They're real good. Because there are no perfect people. And so when you're a parent, you realize something. Go show yourself friendly. Why? Because you're supposed to. We're the salt and light of the planet. Everybody you're friendly to is not going to be friendly back to you. Don't let it bother you. Everybody's not going to hug your neck, shake your hand, and take you to dinner. Some people aren't going to care who you are. Go with God. God bless you. Go with the ones that will listen to you. The ones you can hang out with. God will set you up and they're... Your greatest friendships are in your future. You've not even met them yet. There are people who would change your life, change your child's life. But if you're not aggressive, you start pulling back. And I saw kids in high school. First day of school, we'd dismiss them for breakfast. And, uh, okay, you dismiss, you're going to give an hour to eat breakfast. Most of them don't eat breakfast, which means you've had a twinkie to Dr. Pepper, which means around 11 o'clock, I'll have to peel you off the ceiling or peel you off the floor. <laughs> and so we had ladies that cooked a big breakfast. They'd come back, so I'd spend... A half a day with them, teach, just telling stories. Science stories, history stories, Bible stories. I'd eat lunch with them. I'd come back and we'd do more stories. And then I'd give them a test. We're taking a test. We can't take a test. We don't have any books. You don't need a book for this test. I've got copies of the unemployment test for everybody. What? Yeah, I've got a copy of the unemployment. Ninth through twelfth grade, you're going to take the unemployment test. Why? Because if you don't do well in school, you'll eventually have to take this test. <laughs> I've taken this test three times in my life. It's a great test. Come back the second day, more stories, more tests. Uh, academic skills test out of Fort Worth. Third day, discover your God-given gifts test. Uh, and then that was the one that had all the 12 vocations. And so in three days of three tests, those kids had one piece of paper that says, according to these three tests, your event's going to be good in one of these 12 jobs. I've narrowed it down. There's not 1,000 jobs. I've narrowed it down to 12. Some of them narrowed it down to three. You're probably going to get a job in one of these three areas, so focus on this. Quit trying to be good at everything. You're not good at everything. You're going to be good at one thing. Find that one thing. Paul said this, one thing I do, I'm preaching the gospel. Even when he was making tents, it was to finance him to do the one thing he did, which is write two-thirds of the New Testament. So I tell every kid, all my kids are gifted. And I love all my kids. Angels, kids, we... Our kids, we're so proud of our kids. They're all out of college, all doing well. They're not perfect. There's not a perfect one in the bunch. They didn't have perfect parents. But they're very good at what they do. They go to church, pay the tithes, got great jobs. They got challenges. Uh, one of my daughters just got a job with Dave Ramsey in, in Franklin, Tennessee. And uh, she was my C student. You know, everybody got a scholarship except her. And so I remember her younger sister's getting a full scholarship. And we're in the college where she's going to go. And so we're sitting in rooms, so Tess, your younger sister, get this full scholarship. Isn't that great? Your sister's getting a full scholarship. And the guy said, and Corey, you're going to get 25% just being related to your sister. And I thought, well, you just got to jump on them. Isn't that great? You get money just being related. Hot dog. <laughs> and so we took a tour of the campus, and I told Corey that day, first day of college, babe, 
You're good at something. I just don't know what it is. I found out the other five, but I don't have a clue what you're good at. I've exhausted myself, but you're good at something or God lied and God can't lie because we're still here. So you like taking pictures, go volunteer for the yearbook staff and take pictures. They need somebody to take pictures. Buy your own film. Here, I'll give you some money. So for two years, Corey took pictures for the yearbook staff and the college paper. Didn't get a dime for it. Bought her own film. Took photographs. It's in the yearbook in the annual. And so years into college, the president of the university came down and said, Hey, Corey, um, my son's been the head of this, but he's graduating. Would you like to take over the yearbook and the college paper? Because you seem to be real good at this. So halfway through college, Corey finished on a full scholarship, full academic scholarship. So we're having dinner at our house. I know I'm way over. We're having dinner at our house one Thanksgiving, years later. We're sitting at the big table. They're all there with their spouses. Corey and I are talking, and we're talking about our publishing company, Stonebluff Publishing. And so my oldest daughter, who's a college professor, said, what are you all talking about? Well, we're talking about the company Corey and I own. You all own a company? Yeah. What is it, Stonebluff Publishing? We own a company. Well, she gets money? Well, I hope so. We don't do it for free. We're doing it to get paid. And so, uh, and she said, and my oldest daughter, who's semi-arrogant, but nice. <laughs> she said, and she's a college professor. Well, how come you didn't ask me? Well, what's your major in? English. <laughs> I don't need that. My second, it got quiet at the table. They're all there with their spouses. I said, what's your degree in accounting? I got an accountant. What's your degree in health science? I got a doctor. What's your degree in interior design? <laughs> I didn't hire her because she's my daughter. I hired her because she's a journalism major. <laughs> and she's using her gift to explode and expand my publishing company. I didn't hire her because she's a daughter. I hired her because of her gift. The Bible says your gift will make room for you, bring you forth kings and make you wealthy. But not all kids blossom at the same time. So be patient with your kids. Don't speak negative. Kid ever calls you? Well, what do you think? I, I turn it back. Jesus never answered a question except with a question. Matthew, Mark, and John. Jesus never answered a question except with a question. What do you think? I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think maybe I'll do this. Well, that sounds like a good idea. So I learned with my kids. They said, Dad, what do you think? Oh, sure. What do you think? I think I might ought to do this. That sounds pretty good. You got the mind of Christ. God will tell you what to do. If nothing else, take a nap. He'll talk to you when you sleep. And they've learned to lean on God. The goal is to get your kids to lean on God because He will never leave you, He will never forsake you, and you're going to have it made. Let's stand up. You've been very patient. Thank you for your patience. Now, keep your heads up and your eyes open. We're going to close by making a confession. I pray this every morning and every night. Every morning and every night, I wore this thing out because it's legitimate. Uh, the Bible says, come to me, children, and I will teach you the fear of God. Psalms 5.12. I will teach you the fear of God. God, I want you to teach my children to fear you. Fear God's beginning of wisdom. With that wisdom comes long life, riches, and honor. What do you want? I want long life, riches, and honor for my kids. How are they going to get it? They need to fear God. So I pray it every day, Father, I give you permission, teach my children to fear you. Psalm 512, he said, I'll surround the righteous with divine favor. Father, I give you permission to surround my children with divine favor. People are going to like them, they don't even know why. So I've done it with my kids when they work for companies. I've got with my kids, I pray with them. Listen, quit bad man your company, start praying for them. 
Pray for those in authority. Pray for those over you. And if God can't use me, he'll fire them and get, put you, give you their job. And I've had two of my kids get the boss's job. Why? You just serve. Your job's to serve, not run your mouth. And then the last one is, you know. Uh, I want you to prosper. So, I'm going to lead you in this. So, say this after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Your word is truth. It sets me free, and it keeps me free. According to your word, I ask you, teach my children to fear you. Surround my children with divine favor. Bring to my children godly friends. I consider it done in Jesus' name.